One man's fight for survival in a dystopian future, a story of resistance. The year was 2030 and Randy sat in his cabin on the Yukon River, wondering how it all went so wrong. The World Federation of States had promised peace and security, but instead had delivered a poverty-stricken dystopian nightmare. His wife and children were dead, taken from him because he refused to comply with the WFS's demands. He was alone now, living off the grid in a 500-square-foot cabin, waiting for the end. Randy was not content to just sit and wait. He had been a carpenter, electrician, and even a paramedic in his former life, so he knew how to make things. He started by making small items like stools and benches, then graduated to more complex projects like a table or chairs. The most challenging project was a bed, but he finally completed it after many months of work. He also started to stockpile food and supplies, knowing that one day he would have to leave his cabin and fight back against the WFS. That day finally arrived in 2036 when a group of rebels called the Freedom Fighter Alliance contacted him, asking for his help finding their way through the bush along the Yukon River. He agreed to guide them and then set out to join the rest. The Freedom Fighter Alliance was a small but determined group of resistance fighters who were fighting against the World Federation of States' oppressive regime. They had been doing their best to disrupt the WFS's operations and spread word of the atrocities that they were committing, but they knew that they could not win alone. They needed people with Randy's skills and knowledge, so they asked him to join them. He agreed, and for the next few years he fought with them, sabotaging WFS bases and supply lines, and helping to spread the word of the resistance. They were in charge of the northwest sector of what used to be North America, and were constantly on the move trying to stay ahead of the WFS. They had a few small camps in remote areas, but their main base was in a hidden valley near the Yukon River. One day, while on a scouting mission, Randy and two of his fellow fighters came across a WFS base that was not on their radar. It was a small outpost, but it appeared to be heavily fortified and well defended. This was unusual since the WFS would have needed to resupply this camp with fuel and supplies to sustain them through the harsh winters, and they never heard or signs of activity. Was this a small signals outpost being used during the summer months, or was the WFS planning on expanding their operations into this sector. Randy and his team decided to investigate. They approached the base cautiously, trying not to be seen. After surveying the area, they determined that the base was lightly guarded and there were no signs of other activity. If they attacked the outpost, it would draw attention to their location. On the other hand, they may be found out by the resupply planes that would be coming over their base camp. They decided to attack the outpost and after a brief firefight, they succeeded in destroying it. This small victory was the beginning of the end for Randy and his way of life in the bush of the Yukon, but he wouldn't realize that until it was too late. After the attack, there was nothing, no planes or retaliation of any kind. The Freedom Fighters were puzzled, but Randy had a sneaking suspicion that he knew what was going on. The World Federation of States had been planning on expanding their operations into this sector, but because of the attack by the Freedom Fighters, they were now reevaluating their plans. Had Randy and his team had just saved hundreds, maybe even thousands of lives, or did it cost them even more? Only time would tell. Randy continued to fight with the Freedom Fighters for the next few months, but it was becoming increasingly difficult as the WFS was tightening its grip on the population. Food and supplies were becoming scarce, and more and more people were disappearing. It was at this point that he decided to go back to his 500-square-foot off-grid cabin while there was still time in the summer to prepare for the long, harsh winter ahead. He knew that it was only a matter of time before the WFS found him and he would have to fight again, but he also knew that he could not fight forever. He had to find a way to survive long enough for the people to overthrow the WFS and restore freedom to his homeland. This was his fight, and he would not give up.
No matter what the cost, Randy continued to live in his cabin with his German shepherd named Joe. He hunted and fished for food and stockpiled supplies for the winter. Life was getting back to normal, the normal from 2030. One day, while out hunting, Randy came across a small group of people who were trying to escape from the WFS. They were lost and had no idea where to go, so Randy took them back to his cabin and gave them food and shelter. This small act of kindness would be the beginning of the end for Randy. The WFS had been tracking these people and, when they didn't report back, they knew that they were hiding out with Randy. A few days later, a small team of WFS soldiers showed up at his cabin, demanding that he turn the people over. Randy refused and a firefight ensued. In the end, Randy was killed but not before killing several of the WFS soldiers. His death would not be in vain though, as it would galvanize the remaining people into fighting even harder against the WFS. The Freedom Fighter Alliance would grow in numbers and become even more determined to restore freedom to their homeland. Check out our previous post, The World is on Fire, 20 Years of Peace and Prosperity Destroyed in Minutes. Please share this.